that'll be enough. <laughs> hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, I just want you to know that um, the Warriors did not start winning until I turned on the game last night. You're, you're welcome. Uh, good morning. My name is Kurt. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. I have the privilege of working with the middle school and high school teens and, and their families. Uh, my wife Becky and I moved to Half Moon Bay from Wisconsin back in February, and uh, we are thrilled to be a part of God's work here at Mariners. And uh, we want to say thank you uh, for welcoming, welcoming us in. Um, we feel like family because you are so warm and so kind and so generous, and we are thankful. Thank you. Uh, so uh, one question that I get a lot uh, from, uh, from folks is, is, what's the biggest surprise that I've experienced since moving to California? Uh, Becky lived here for eight years before we were married, but uh, uh, for me, this is my first time living on the West Coast. And uh, I, I would have to be honest with you, there's a lot of things I'm experiencing for the first time. Uh, but, but the biggest surprise for me growing up in Michigan is, is California is like all beach boys, all right? So that's my idea of coming to California. I've been here since February. I haven't heard one blasted beach boy song. <laughs> and, and I want to, where have you put the beach boys? What have you done with those guys? So I'm still waiting. And if you know where I can find them, please let me know. In the 60s? In the 60s? <laughs> okay. But I'm bummed. And that's our program for today, folks. Well, Paul is gone, and uh, he's gone this weekend, and I'm told that he looked all over the place to try to find his replacement, and I was the only one willing or available. I'm not sure which one it is. Uh, so here I am. So here we go. Um, I'm enjoying the study s- series that we're going through called Hope or Esperanza, which is a way cooler word than, than the English. Uh, the thing that I love about this is it's so real. And it, it comes in, and as soon as I got here, it just hit me right in the heart. And it's been getting in my head. And Paul has given us the definition of what, truly, what hope is truly all about. That esperanza is the confidence that a loving God is in control of all life and my life. No matter what happens, bueno or malo, he's in control. And it will be okay. Many times we use the word hope like a wish or a prayer. We reach out for something that seems impossible, just out of our reach, just out of our grasp. I hope I get a pony for Christmas. I hope I win the lottery without ever buying a ticket. I hope I pass my exams this semester because I haven't studied at all. That, That thing that just seems out of our grasp and impossible to pull in. The root of the word hope is confidence, which comes from knowledge. Our faith in God is not an uninformed faith. Our faith in the eternal God is an intelligent faith. It's an intelligent trust. It's an intelligent belief in an eternal God who has revealed himself to us through his word, through his son, and through his spirit. We don't have to check in our brains to become a follower of Christ. Our faith is intelligent. And what's more important is that God knows 
me. And God knows you. God knows the details of my life. He cares for me. God knows all that I have already done and all that I've already said. And He still loves me. His love reached out for me when I didn't even know He was there. You were, at that time, separated from Christ, alienated and strangers, having no hope and without God. But now, in Christ, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He Himself is our peace with God. Our current focus in this theme of hope is been getting through what you're going through. If you haven't been following the last uh, few weeks, last several weeks in this series, I encourage you to go on the website and listen to the past three messages. Because for me, they've been so solid. They've been very timely, just what I needed. And they have been so encouraging to me in my faith and my walk with Christ. Based on those messages... No matter what hand I've been dealt in life, I can move forward trusting God has a plan and a purpose for me. There are many causes and stages of grief. As a believer in Jesus, I can trust God and I can lean on those who trust Him too as I wrestle the emotions and overcome those feelings. Worry can be a paralyzing force. And we all have stuff we could worry about. But worry is useless. And draws us away from a loving, powerful, caring God. Today I want to tell a story of a kid who grew up in the church I grew up in in Michigan. It's a story, I think, that brings the past few messages together and really links them into a personal touch. Alan was an ordinary Midwest kid. He liked sports, swimming in Lake Michigan on the one weekend when we would have summer, <laughs> and spending time with his friends. His, a fam- his family attended church. His mom was a Sunday school teacher. She was on the mission team. She sang in the choir. She volunteered with the youth group. She was a, a, vibrant, a vibrant personality, full of life and full of faith in God. His dad owned a gas station. We didn't see him very much and didn't know him very well. Alan's home was a place where people gathered all the time. They had a swimming pool in their backyard. And when the sun was out in the summer, that backyard was full of people and laughter and food and good times. In the winter, there would be neighborhood potlucks in their basement. And it seemed as that house was always full of laughter and friends and care. One day, Alan came home and the house was filled with people once again, which seemed a little bit odd on a weekday. As he entered the home, there were people from the neighborhood and people from church, and they were all quiet and very somber. Alan's uncle took him aside and he said that his mom had gone to the doctor earlier in the day and she got some really bad news. She was very sick. 
Cancer was the word that he used. His uncle said that she was going to have to have some special treatments to help her feel better. Chemotherapy and radiation. Alan's mom was upbeat and full of faith. And everyone was praying that God would do a miracle and heal her. From the time Alan was 10 until he was 14 years old, his mother had five surgeries to remove cancer and body parts, all trying to defeat the illness that was ravaging through her body. The treatments weren't working. She was dying a slow, painful death right in front of their eyes. Eventually, she was under hospice care, living in a hospital bed in the home. The morning after Alan's 15th birthday, his brother came into his bedroom, woke him up and said, Come on, Mom is dying. Alan entered the room where his mom was laying. Her breathing was slow and exaggerated. Family and friends were all around the room. In a few minutes, she was gone. Her struggle with cancer was over. She died. A few weeks after her funeral, Alan's dad sat him down at the kitchen table and said, I have no idea how to raise a 15-year-old boy. He said, I'm going to give you $100 a week to stay out of trouble. You do whatever you want to do. You leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. And he stood up, took a $100 bill out of his wallet, set it on the table, and he walked away. Every Friday, there was another $100 bill on the table if Alan was a good boy. <laughs> he wasn't always a good boy, but there was always $100 on the table. Three months after Alan's mom died, we were all playing indoor soccer. And he suffered a, a massive brain injury when he tripped over another player and he went headfirst into the wall. Long story short, he was like a stroke victim. His, his right side was completely paralyzed. He was blind in his right eye. He lost all his memory. He couldn't read. He couldn't write. He stumbled through his speech and he struggled and stuttered to complete sentences and words. Everyone had lost hope for him. Plans were in place to admit him to a long-term care facility, but his grandmother prayed that God would change the story. She prayed and she prayed and she prayed some more. What seemed like a miracle Alan began to respond to treatment. What once seemed hopeless became possible. Strength returned to his right side. His vision began to clear up. His memory improved. He learned to read. He learned to write again. Grandmother continued to pray, asking God to do what seemed impossible. After three months in a long-term care facility, Alan was walking talking, reading and writing and returning to school. God had done what the professionals thought would never happen. He returned to normal life. Whatever that looks like for a high school kid. The following summer, our, hire, our church hired a youth pastor named Chip. And 
One day, Chip came to Alan's house. He knocked on the door, and Alan opened up the door, and he said, hey, my name's Chip. I'm your youth pastor. Let's go golfing. Okay? Then another day, to the beach. Then another day here, and another day there. All the while, Chip would talk about God's love how God cares for teenagers, how, how a teenager can have a personal relationship with God. And we would all go here, and we would all go there, and the message of God's love went everywhere that we went. Our youth group went on a hiking trip, and Chip would talk more about God's love. While on the hike, Alan let the group get on ahead of him and he sat down on the trail and he shook his fist towards heaven and he said to God, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. You have ruined my life. Chip says that you love me. How? I can't believe that my mom trusted you. And Alan had a thought. How could his mom trust God? He killed her. She's dead because he didn't heal her. Alan had a memory. He remembered seeing his mother every morning sitting at the kitchen table with God's Word open, and she would read God's Word, and she loved God. There must be something about the Bible that he doesn't understand. So he stood up and he ran down that trail that we were hiking. And he caught up to Chip. And he got his full attention and he said, You have to teach me about God, but you have to use the Bible. <laughs> and like a good youth pastor, Chip replied, Okay. Alan was invited to Chip's house and was amazed at what he saw. Chip cuddled with his daughters and he wrestled with his son. He ate dinner with his family and he even did the dishes with his wife. <laughs> These things never happened in Alan's house. Uninvited, he went back for dinner the next night and the next night and the next night. Never invited to come back. He just walked through the door at dinner time. Here I am. Chip was an amazing man because every night that Alan was there was the same thing. Chip continued to talk about God's love, but all that Alan could see was the way that he lived his life. Alan moved in with Chip's family. Never invited. He stayed one night and never left. Sitting in class one day, he had a thought. He began to think about all the things that Chip has done and all the things that Chip had said. And he stood up in class, he walked out the door, he walked down the street to the church where Chip was in his office. Chip looked up in the middle of the day and said, what are you doing here? And Alan said, why do you care about me? Why do you do all the things that you do for me? And Chip replied, Alan, you're an idiot, man. 
which is sacred youth pastor talk. I just want you to know that, okay? He says, man, don't you understand that God loves me and that's how I love you? Love. Who ever talked about love? Alan had a hole in his heart this big. And that's exactly what he was searching for, was love. Chip, whatever you have in your life is what I want. Once again, Chip shared the message of the Bible that sin separates us from God. But in His love, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to be a bridge that separates, I mean, a bridge that unites over that separation. That the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is so that we can be reunited with God by faith. Alan needed to acknowledge his separation from God as sin and ask God for forgiveness for his sin, to trust God, to believe in Jesus Christ and be reunited with God once again. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but will have eternal life. On that day, Alan would acknowledge his sin, ask God for forgiveness. He would trust God with his life and believe in His Son, Jesus Christ, for salvation. And on that day, new life began. Alan was a senior in high school when that happened. Unsure of what he wanted to do for college or career, he prayed a very simple prayer. God, I give you my life. I only ask one thing. Let me save one kid the way that Chip saved me. Now his prayer was sincere, although misguided. Chip didn't save Alan. He simply lived his faith in front of him. Jesus saved Alan. Chip lived for the glory of God and Alan responded. Now this story is completely true. It really happened. The names have been changed, but all the events are just the way they happened. Would you allow me to introduce Alan to you? Do you mind? My name is Kurt Allen Vanderstelt. My life was changed because my mom loved God and shared her faith in real, tangible ways. My grandmother was a praying woman and didn't allow what seemed impossible to stop her from asking God to change my story. My youth pastor told me the story of God and lived every day for the honor of God. These people are the ones who showed me the reality of God. These people were the reason I asked God to help me change the life of one kid. Ultimately, at 17 years old, I knew God was calling me to be a youth pastor too. To live and tell the message of God 
to students and their families so that they can find the true hope of this world. How did I get through what I was going through? God had a plan. He used people of faith around me to guide me, to pray for me, and to encourage me to seek Him, to trust in His Son, to, rest, to, to, to rewrite what seemed etched in stone. Why did I have to go through these things before I came to faith? Honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> On this side of heaven, I do not know the answer. I only know that these are the things that God took me through before I put my faith and trust in Him. What we're going through rarely makes sense at the time. Pain, struggle, addiction, physical illness, doubt, anger, death, separation, divorce, financial issues, mental illness, identity confusion your dog constantly peeing on the rug. These are all burdens that we may face and never understand in this life. But my hope was not in these things. My hope is found in nothing less than a loving God who is in charge of all life and my life. No matter what happens, good or bad, I can trust Him. And I will know that it will be okay. Scripture affirms this when it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that your te- the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. After my mom died, I hated God literally shook my fist at him. He wasn't scared of me. And he didn't turn his back on me. My dad lived in his own selfishness, and I'm sure that his grief fueled much of what he did and much of what he said. And I could have gone down a real dark path, but I didn't. God had other plans. When all hope was lost and I was laid out in long-term care with a a closed head injury, my grandmother didn't take that as the end. She prayed, asking God to do what no one else could do, to raise me up and give me another chance. And He answered her prayers. She lived to be 105 years old. She used to say, Why does God still have me around? I needed her prayers. Chip could have looked the other way when he moved to town. He could have spent time with kids whose families had it all together, but he didn't. God had other plans. On the surface, my life was doomed. 
But God had other plans. Though now for a little while you may be grieved by various trials so that your faith may be, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor. How can you get through what you're going through? Trust God. Lean on others around you who trust in Him too. Band, would you please come back? Have you ever considered being part of a life group? A small group of people who study God's Word? Where you can grow in your faith? Are your teenagers part of the youth group on Wednesday nights? Are your children plugged into the children's ministry here where, where they can intentionally encounter Christ and meet Him maybe for the very first time? There are places for you, your family, your friends to meet God, to find friends who trust God and have a personal relationship with Him. These are the places where faith can be found, where friends can trust God with you as you go through what you're going through. Are you taking time this summer to invest in your faith? To plug in with people? who want to grow in God with you? The summer is short. The new semester will be here before you know it. Let's pray together. Our God in heaven, I praise you this morning for people in my life who set the example, who put their faith in action. God, I thank you for the power of prayer and how you moved in my life through a faithful grandmother who never stopped praying. God, this is your story. I play a very small part in it. I pray, God, today that we would learn to trust you, to believe you now, and to live for you all of our days. In Jesus' name. Amen.